Only on a Sunday, a podcast about more than church. Welcome to the Only on a Sunday podcast. My name is Daniel Lowry, and I'm joined by my wife, Kristen. Hi. This season, we are focusing on reimagining prayer. What does prayer look like in terms of Jesus' invitation to abide in him and his directive to live out our spiritual authority in bringing about the Great Commission? For this episode, we have the privilege of Jill Randall joining us. Jill and her husband, Bill, planted Grace Fellowship Church in Danvers, Massachusetts. Then they co-planted Coast Vineyard in San Diego, California, planted Hosanna Community Church in Encinitas, California, pastored Risen King Community Church in Redding, California, and are currently full-time missionaries with Novo. As a missionary with Novo, Jill walks with coaches, trains, mentors, and disciples leaders. She is a part of the leadership team of Church Next, the collective of Novo that focuses on equipping new and current leaders. She co-leads pioneering initiatives, which exists to empower teams to plant new expressions of church around the world. Jill describes herself as a foodie. She loves to cook and eat as nutrition and health are a large part of her journey. She has three kids, five grandkids, six grand dogs, and lives with all of her family in Boise, Idaho. Hi, Jill. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good to be with you guys. Yes. Hello, Jill. I still laughing at the six grand dogs. That's, uh, I've done a lot of bios here recently and I've yet to. <laughs> hey, they're a big part of our lives. So okay. Nice that's awesome. Yes, I know what kind of person I'm dealing with. All right, right great. Right. Yeah. Best person. And I did want to correct you on one thing. It says I live with my family. I don't mm. live with all those crazy people. We live <laughs> near them. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Just perfectly far enough away. Just, right? yeah, exactly. 15 <laughs> yeah. minutes or so, we're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, as we do with all of our episodes, we, we ask our guests to share with us kind of a funny prayer story. So same question for you, Jill. Do you have something funny that's happened in your prayer life and your prayer experience that you could share with us? Yeah, I'm sure there's tons of them. But I think the first one that comes to mind that I like to... Bill and I both tell this fun story when we're dealing with healing prayer, when we're talking about training on healing prayer. But we used to teach our kids to pray for the sick, and that was just kind of part of our thing. And so we were visiting Bill's parents one time, and our kids were little. Our oldest one was like five, I think, at the time. And so they were playing outside, and we were inside with Bill's mom, and we're hanging out, but she was laying on the couch. She had a really bad migraine. She still gets those even now. But so our kids were running around. They came running in the house and they see us and they see their their grandma. And they're like, what's wrong with Grammy? Andrew says, what's wrong with Grammy? And Bill said, oh, she's got a really bad headache. So she's laying down. And he goes, oh. So he takes his hand, puts it on her head. And he says, dear Jesus, thank you for Grammy's headache. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and then he ran away. And we're like, well, I guess he didn't really get the whole picture. Yeah. Of the theology of. And so, but check this out. After he prayed that, her headache instantly went away. Oh, wow. uh, so I love telling that story because it's like, we don't have to do it perfect. Jesus mm. hears our, our prayers and he hears our kids' prayers. So yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. That's such a great story. No, I'm glad you bring that up because one of the things we talked about in the first episode is how often we practice prayer as though it's magic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and in magic, you have mantras, right? Say the exact right thing with the right wording and the right cadence, and that will influence the gods to, right. you know, act on your behalf. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes we treat prayer that way, don't we? Like if oh. I say it just right, or if I get the right guy to say it or the right girl, you know, the holy one, then that'll mm -hmm. make God move right. but you know just a little <laughs> that's hilarious like right and if we don't do it right we think god's not going to answer our prayers he's just ignoring us or whatever mm -hmm. so yeah. yeah especially if we're perfectionists so that's not good 
(laughs) (laughs) But thanks for sharing. Yeah, that's a great story. Well, Joe, we've been kind of focusing this season on reimagining prayer and from two aspects. And one is the Jesus's two invitations. The first being, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then the second kind of follow up or, you know, part 1B to that invitation, abide with me. Mm-hmm. And then also the outworking of what it means to abide with Jesus in terms of activating prayer. So abide with me and you will bear much fruit. Ask anything of me mm-hmm. and I will give it to you. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like to start just our talk, our conversation here with just hearing a little bit about your journey to Christ and kind of what that looked like also in terms of prayer? Like what was prayer like? How did you grow? So yeah, if you go ahead and just kind of share with us a little bit about your journey to Christ, kind of who you are. So I grew up in a home that my parents didn't know the Lord at all. My extended grandparents, they knew Jesus and they lived next door to me. So that was an influential thing for me. But yeah, my family didn't know the Lord. So when I was a senior in high school, just a friend started talking to me at school about God and about Jesus. So And then I ended up going to one of those, you know, youth groups. I was like, well, okay, that sounds good. I, you know, he invited me to go to that. And I went to that and I got saved that night just in kind of an altar call thing. So I think the crazy part of that story was I was really excited. I felt like I really sensed the Holy Spirit and I didn't even know what that was at the time, you know. And so I came home and I was so excited. My mom was already in bed and I came up and I said, Mom, guess what? I, I asked Jesus into my heart. And she goes, oh, that's nice, honey. She goes, just don't make it your whole life. Oh. Well, well, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, needless to say, that didn't You're so rebellious, Joe. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> kind of the beginning of, uh, okay, I guess I won't talk to her about this kind of stuff. So, mm. so yeah, and I got into ministry married a man that was going to be a pastor and all that kind of crazy stuff. So I met my husband in college and we moved right away after we got married to New England and started seminary and having kids and planting churches. So God called us into church planting, so which mm-hmm. we loved and still are doing it. It just looks different now. So, but I think as far as my journey into prayer, I was thinking about this yesterday, how I just am not, and still I'm not, I was not very good at prayer lists. Like Hmm. Mm -hmm. I tried doing that. Like I was, you know, I had a mentor, kind of a discipler when I was first a Christian and because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what it was supposed to look like to be a Christian. So you know, they told me to make these prayer lists and you do this, you know, and I just wasn't very disciplined like that. So, so even carried into now, it's funny, I was talking to a friend of mine that is a, a spiritual director and I was like, yeah, I don't, you know, prayer just, I'm not really strong in prayer. And he's like, well, tell me what you do. And I told him what I did. And he goes, you think that's not prayer? Like, just cause you don't have a checklist doesn't mean you're not praying. So even now, it's like just I've been on a journey for a really long time of what is prayer? What does that look like? And of course, in some seasons, it's easier than others. You know, I mean, sometimes I can pray all day and unceasingly, you know, and yet some days it's hard. So anyway, I think Mm -hmm. as far as that goes, and certainly, and we can talk more about this, but when I discovered solitude, and contemplation and all the disciplines like that. At first, I was like, oh, man, this seems really hard. But I would say that that part of prayer has changed me probably more than anything. So it it has been a journey, that's for sure. Yeah. So you mentioned that you grew up in a a non-Christian home. What was your understanding of prayer then, or or maybe there was no understanding. I right. just didn't talk about it, but yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting <laughs> dynamic because you know here are your kids that you said mm-hmm. uh, you're teaching them how to pray for the sick, right? That's a vastly different yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. dynamic than you grew up in. So, <laughs> how was sure. your under, understanding of prayer? Like, where did it start? Like the meaning mm-hmm. of it, and and kind of where has it come to today? I would say my very first introduction with prayer was, like I said, my grandparents lived next door to me. 
And one day, I was, you know, I was little, so I didn't know Jesus then. But she said, do you need to learn the Lord's Prayer? Well, I'm like, okay, what, like, what's that? So she had me memorize the Lord's Prayer. So that was probably um, my first introduction to that. I wow. didn't really know what it meant or anything, but later on, of mm -hmm. course, I was grateful for that. And if I still love it today, praying through that, because I figure if Jesus tells us to pray that, we should, that's probably a good start. Like that might be a good way to pray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good place. So, I mean, I, I think that's the beginning of it. But, and then I, like I mentioned, I think some of it was like, Oh, this, like somebody that was discipling me was telling me, this is how you do it. You know, you pray for your family, you pray for the church, you pray for your friends that don't know Jesus, you pray, you know, and that kind of stuff. So, but it was, I mean, it definitely was through, I'm trying to think, well, my husband got his doctorate in spiritual formation. So I think that would have been really the first time that we started really studying and researching, but also experiencing and spending time with God in, in prayer in those ways. And that was what I meant about how it transformed me because I I hadn't been taught that. Even, you know, when I first became a Christian, I was going to a great church, huge church in my city. It was a great Bible teaching church. I sat in the back. I didn't know anybody. I just took a bunch of notes and I learned a lot, but I never heard about this way to pray. And so it was kind of through our own discovery as we, you know, in how to do that and what that meant, what that looked like. Yeah, I think that's a, a common conversation amongst many believers is most of what you know about prayer is just, you know, I pray for my husband, pray for my wife, my kids, yeah. they're all safe and please give me a lot of money. And that's <laughs> kind of, you know, I mean, I'm just being honest, right? Yeah. <laughs> or give me more right. money than mm -hmm. I have now. Yeah. Right? Mm. And then even pastoring, I mean, I youth pastored and college pastor for years and years. And that's kind of the content of my prayer. And that's what I taught people and even into pastoring. Right. And it wasn't until many years later that I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a whole nother dynamic to that. So can you just tell us a little bit about how your understanding grew in terms of abiding prayer? What does silence and solitude mean to you? How does it right. you know, help us mm -hmm. in drawing closer mm -hmm. to Jesus? Yeah. I think it started with desiring intimacy with God. I just really wanted, I wanted to be close to the Father. And like I said, some of the resources and stuff that we started reading and, and listening to or whatever was so helpful, some of the teaching. And so I think my favorite author to this day is Henry Nouwen. Mm -hmm. and, and his works are just I mean, I think we have every one of his books, but mm. I started there. I mean, if I can remember correctly, you know, I just started with some of his, because he writes from the heart yeah, and he, he does. you know, I just, that's what I love. And so I felt like he put words to things that I was feeling, but that was the place of intimacy with God. That was really cool. And so I, I think that was where it started. And then, like I said, as Bill was learning some stuff in through Fuller with his doctorate, he'd come home and say, check this out. And, you know, that's kind of our relationship. We learn from each other. We read, we share and experience things together like that. So I, I started doing those things. And I think, you know, my first experience with, and the way that Nowen would instruct or like his book on the way of the heart is just a great introduction to that. I think, and it's the first one I start with when I'm coaching people in this area to just, and to take it slow, read it really slowly because there's so much to, to ingest. But I think at first I was like, I can't do this. Like I'm an extrovert. I like people. I like hanging out, talking and moving around and, you know, to sit in quiet was hard for me. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, hey, got to do this. You know, I'm going to do this. And so I'm a good enough student that I, I made myself do that. And so I, I mean, honestly, that's one thing I was thinking to share with your listeners is it may seem really hard at first and it mm -hmm. probably will be, but to stay at it, you know, I think some people, cause I know a lot of people I coach, they're like, well, I need to walk or I need to be riding my bike or hiking or something while I'm spending time with God. And that's, certainly a way that people meet with God. I do too. But there's something about the discipline of just 
finding your spot, finding a place where you can be quiet and really listen and spend time with God, even when it feels like there's nothing happening except you're Mm -hmm. sitting in his presence. And I love the way that Nowen puts it. He calls it the furnace of transformation, you know, because that's what it has been for me is it changes me. And it's just from sitting with God and listening and being with him. So, yeah. Well, the number one thing that's going to pop up in all of our minds when you talk about silence is turning off your brain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the oh, distractions. Sure. I always think of up, right? With the dogs. Oh, yeah, right. And, and they're like, oh, squirrel. squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> <Right? laughs> yeah. So uh, how, tell us a little bit about that. I, I don't think you've overcome it, I don't think. But no. you've probably no. grown in it. Yeah. Any thoughts or helpful tips? Yeah. Again, sorry for quoting now and so much, but one of the ways that he describes it is, you know, it's like you're sitting with God, you're disciplining yourself to be quiet. And then all of a sudden it's like monkeys jumping <laughs> in a banana tree. And it's like, cause your mind is going and going. And so, yeah, it takes discipline. I think that's what, you know, centering prayer, it, that's what that's for. So you get a word or a phrase or a truth of some kind that you can just come back to because you're going to, you have to expect that your mind's going to go everywhere because that's just, we're always thinking. I mean, mm-hmm. we're always doing something or thinking about something. So even recently, there's a really cool app called Pause. And Bill and I have been, both been doing that just to slow down. To it, it just calms you down. It slows you down where you say, I give everything and everyone to you, Lord. I give everything and everyone mm-hmm. to you. And so that has helped me a little bit, even just in this season, when even though we're locked down a lot of the time, you know, and you would think, oh, this is going to be easy. I'm just sitting around all the time anyway, right? <laughs> and it's not because you're no. still thinking, you know, you're still yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I think for sure that's been part of my journey. Well, the first thing that pops up when you start talking about that is so in your bio, we talked about you had three kids and you're planting churches all over Southern California. So how in the heck are you practicing silence <laughs> with yeah, exactly. three kids and church planting? So it's, you know, mm-hmm. when you sit down to do silence, you know, you have to deal with the distractions and, you know, squirrel or, you know, as you said, right. the monkey and the bananas. But just getting to the point of sitting down is a whole nother. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you know, when you yeah. get little kids tugging on you, mommy, mommy, or teenagers, you know, give, rolling the eyes at right, you, right. <laughs> which we experienced this weekend, Kristen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come so, over here and do that again. <laughs> <laughs> right. They will experience silence very soon. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> when I knock you out. So any helpful tips or thoughts on just kind of yeah. getting to that place? I really, I clearly remember a time when I had two of my three kids. So I hadn't had my third yet. And they were running around going crazy and all the noise and all that. And Bill was at work. He was at the church and I was cleaning or doing whatever. And I I went to the kitchen sink to do the dishes, I guess. And I really clearly remembered the Lord because I was like, I'd never get to have time with you, God, you know? And I felt like he just said, you are right now. Like you are right now. Let's just talk right now. And I really started a journey of just learning how to be present with the Lord, no matter what I was doing. So, so the silence and sitting still wasn't, you know, it seems like it happens like this with moms, right? Where even if I get up at five, they get up at four. You know, yeah. right? I mean, yes. it doesn't matter. Oh my goodness. It doesn't yep. matter. So I tried that and that didn't work and all that kind of stuff. So I, I just really felt like the Lord was calling me to just be more present with him just all day. So I learned that type of prayer for many years, to be honest. And then of course, Bill and I would help each other, you know, at different times, he would give me space. So he would you know, play with the kids and I could go upstairs and and hang out with God. So yeah, and we try to help, you know, our leaders know that when they've got little kids, you got to help each other. You got to figure out ways to go spend time with God. Bill and I are, like you said, full-time Novo missionaries. Our schedule is the way that we create it. So we can spend a couple hours with the Lord now, but it was not like that at first, that's for sure. So 
but you, you know, you can, you just have to work harder at it, I think. And also give yourself grace. I mean, that was a big part of it for me is the Lord gave me grace and he was still speaking to me and it just looked different in that season, you know. I feel like that's so helpful. I mean, we can take the mom sidebar for a second, I guess. But yeah, because I, you know, I'm a mom too and yep. have definitely struggled with all those things. And it's almost like in the, um, I don't know how to say it, maybe like mainstream church world. Right. At least I had in my head this vision of hmm. what devotions look like. Right. Oh, right. <laughs> and, you know, devotions. Yeah, happen in the morning, and yep. you know you have your journal and your Bible and your coffee, and it's all spread out, and it's so pretty. Right. It takes so much time, it's so and then great. and it's like my struggle was I felt like I wasn't having devotions. Yeah, because right. I wasn't. It didn't look like that, and I think my journey is a little bit similar. Mm-hmm. Like I really learned to kind of fellowship with the Lord on the go where we're at the park and they're busy for a second. So I'm on the bench and I'm just starting to say, okay, Lord, you know, here's my day and let me hear from you, that kind of thing. And throughout the day doing that, I, you know, while I was cooking dinner, that would kind of be, I would turn on TV, (laughs) Sesame Street time. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, And then I'd be cooking dinner and, and just trying to commune with the Lord at that time. But I felt like I was failing because I wasn't having devotions the way that I think somehow it's gotten put out there. That's how it is. But when we think of that, the Lord actually wants us to have that integrated life mm-hmm. That's right. and right. Like a life that's constantly in his presence and we're living with him and it's not segmented. Mm-hmm. It's almost like that idea of devotions maybe as an outworking of this segmented yeah. Christianity where we do church on Sunday yeah. and it stays in the church building. <laughs> it doesn't really come home with us. Right. Yeah, that's right. So if anybody's listening and you think you have to do devotions in this lovely way, let's just tell you that's not how it works. I don't think, I don't think that's, that's right. the way God intends for us, right? No. He really no. intends for us to be integrated walking with him all day. That's right. Something I, I think about a lot is, and try to do for my team leaders whenever I meet with them or I'm doing some kind of teaching or whatever, but even in this, I think it relates to what you're talking about, is that we just want an encounter with God, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, we just want to meet with God. So sometimes it's through scripture. Sometimes it's through talking to somebody else. Sometimes it's through our kids. I think just being attentive to the Holy Spirit to speak to us and to be with us all day long, that's what I want to practice. You know, practicing the presence, you know, brother yeah. Mars, that kind of thing. So yeah. yeah, that's a good word. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking, you just mentioned Brother Lawrence, Jill. I was just thinking about his little commentary on how he practiced the presence of God, not in the chapel, but peeling potatoes in the kitchen. There you go. That's it. Right? And that's where he learned about the presence of God, peeling potatoes. And, that's right. And yeah, hun, I hear you with the moms. I mean, it's kind of like Instagram devotions, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, like I'm not making fun of moms or Instagram, but it's really no. like my devotions have to like look good enough to post on Instagram. Mm-hmm. There you right? go. But here's sure. Brother Lawrence peeling potatoes. Like, I dare you to find a picture on Instagram of someone peeling potatoes. <laughs> like, I dare here's you. my devotion today. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's just yeah. so funny on how what Jesus is calling us into is much different than mm-hmm. the way we think we should do it. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, Jill. Yeah. Um, so wonderful. So solitude and silence and, you know, the outworking of learning how to, to live in the presence of God in what we would consider the mundane. You're kind of growing in that. But, you know, one of the things I really wanted to chat about with you is this concept of spiritual authority. Mm-hmm. And the role that spiritual authority plays in the second part of prayer, 1B, you know, activating yeah. prayer. Yeah. So abiding for you is about intimacy with Jesus, being alone with him, learning to practice that in everyday life. And then activating prayer, so much of your story with that is your growth in understanding your authority 
as a believer and as a child of God. So Mm -hmm. can you just share with us a little bit about that journey? Yeah. So I think I was trying to think back on that because there were so many different kind of stages that I've been through in that, not even really knowing what to call it, except knowing that God was doing something. And so Mm. I think one of the first things, and I'd love to give you this resource if I haven't already given it to you guys, I probably have, (laughs) but is knowing my identity in Christ, like really understanding who God is in me and who I am in him, like what he's given to me as a priest, you know? So there's so much inheritance that God has given to me. There's so much. And so, and there's so much in scripture that talks about this. So I was on a journey of kind of figuring that out and study. I I studied scripture on that. And I have a really cool tool that I was just mentioning that I used when Bill and I did, uh, were part of an inner healing retreat ministry years ago. And so this was something that we started using with our people, but I use it today. I, I really give it to everybody I coach because, so it's like a 90 statements of who we are in Christ. And it's written as if it was a I statement instead of like just the straight scripture. So you kind of are ingesting the truth of scripture to change our way of thinking. So a lot of times we have, we believe lies or, you know, all that. And so there's so many things that we've heard over us or that we believe about ourselves through the years. Well, now, I mean, you get to 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, you're like, oh, maybe I should see who Jesus says I am. And Mm. so anyway, so I would say that that was the beginning of understanding the authority that I had because I understood what he gave me and what he authorizes me to be able to do or to have. Like we get to do what Jesus did. I mean, he he said that. And so not only is it past, present and future. So I look forward to the things that, that he's calling me to do, but I'm also confident because I, I've really spent a lot of time, not just reading the scripture, but actually letting it like wash over me so that I can receive it and, and take it in, you know, that would be the first thing. Would you say that that is an outworking of your growth and abiding? Like that's the transformational effect, right? God begins to, as you're spending time with him, Mm -hmm. you begin to reveal who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think we just don't, if the enemy can get us to not know who we are in Christ, Mm-hmm. and what our authority is, then that's half the battle right there. So I'm not going to go out and pray for people or I'm not going to pray for you because I'm like, and I don't know. I mean, this could offend some people, but you know how sometimes we pray. Well, we'll pray something because we want it or we think maybe mm-hmm. God might want it. But then we're like, but only if it's your will, Lord. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, because I want that too. I want it to be God's will. But mm-hmm. that can be my default because I'm like, no, yeah. I actually think like this should happen because the Lord maybe has yeah. spoken to me or I don't know if that's making sense, but that totally makes sense. The thing that I think about is that when we like think about God's will, let's say that we know from scripture. So it's God's will that we be set free. It's God's sure. will that yes. you know, chains be broken. Right. And so I hear what you're saying. If you enter into a prayer time, where let's say you're praying that someone would be set free from something and then you add that like, well, but well, you know, only case. if it's your will. <laughs> <laughs> just in case. Just in case nothing happens. I just... <laughs> exactly. But I, yeah, that makes sense to me. We're backing away from the confidence because right. we can be confident. The Bible says like, I'm not some crazy kooky, right. you know, voodoo wacko. person, yeah. wacko. <laughs> yeah. Because I know that the Bible says, he came to set the captives free. That's so, right. Right. Why not? So yeah. Why not? That's right. Yeah, that's right. No, I agree with you. What was the identity issue that you struggled with in terms of authority? If, if you can kind mm-hmm. of think back to that time, maybe some people call it a limiting belief. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Others fear something like that. But like this was the lie that was really holding right. you back from that mm-hmm. authority. 
I mean, the first one that comes to mind is probably just that I'm not worthy, you know. I mean, a lot of people struggle with that, I know. I mean, just I'm not worthy of his love. I'm not worthy of his healing. I'm not worthy of the freedom he might want to give me. So so I think that would probably be the first one. And I think I can, you know, honestly, I don't really dip there anymore because I, I've been around a while. <laughs> I'm kind of getting it now, but I can still, I can still go there. And so, you know, I think that would keep me from praying is, well, he doesn't really like want to use me to pray for that person or he doesn't, Mm. you know, I don't know if he's going to do anything. That's another thing. Probably doubt would be another, you know, because I think that's part of the learning and study of scripture is learning what he did in scripture. I mean, I love the gospels. I study that more than anything. I just want to be like Jesus. So Mm. if I can do and be like, do the things he did and be like him. So I think part of that is, you know, then I can actually do what he did. So I have more confidence. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a big one. So you're learning about your identity in Christ and, you know, you, you kind of as an outworking of your abiding prayer. Where do you go from there after you, you've kind of been learning more about who you are and what he's done for you? Yeah. So I would say probably, I mean, uh, the first thing that comes to mind just because Bill and I have a journey of praying for the sick, you know? And so when we were, gosh, it was in the eighties that we first started doing that. And so through an empowering, you know, empowerment of the Holy Spirit and just through conviction and studying scripture, we were like, okay, we, this is something we need to do. And we started Mm -hmm. seeing it around us in different, you know, ministries and stuff that we're part of. So, so I would say that might be, because I'm trying to think back of when we first started walking in this. And I would say probably that in inner healing, like you were mentioning, Kristen, you know, just seeing God set people free. So when you see it, when you experience it or for yourself or you see it, then you want more of that for other people. So that's when I think, you know, I started stepping out and, you know, there were times where God really used me in ways for healing for people. I mean, like I was saying, we go in the denomination that we were a part of healing and deliverance and all, all of this that we're talking about was part of the inception of our denomination, but that wasn't much part of the practice of it as mm-hmm. years have gone on. And so, mm-hmm. So we really felt like we were supposed to bring some of that. Felt like the Lord just said, no, revitalize that. So we we started doing more and more of that. So it just was kind of like, honestly, more practice. I mean, we just did it a lot. And like I said, when you see it and you experience it for yourself, then you want more of it. And then you start going, oh, wait, I think Jesus wants this for people. I totally understand, and this is probably a whole nother podcast, but, you know, (laughs) God doesn't always heal people. But that's not the point. Mm -hmm. The point is, is that Jesus has told us to pray for the sick. So, so we just started doing it and let the results be up to him. And so that's a whole nother deal. But so I think that's where I started. And so I've been on that journey and through praying for people for many years, seeing his presence show up and sometimes not show up, you know, Mm -hmm. but there's always a sense of God doing something when we pray. Mm -hmm. There's God's always doing something because I love Kristen and I'm praying for her. God's going to show up and do something. I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to do something just because of that authority that I have to bring the kingdom to Kristen but also because I know Jesus loves her so much and he wants to do something. Yeah. I'm kind of going off, but I don't know. No, I think that's great. No, I think it's great. I think you bring a, you bring up a real good point of, I mean, you didn't technically say this, but you bring up a really good point of like, there comes a point in your growth where like, you've learned enough, (laughs) you know, like you've read the 90 who I am in Christ. Like you've read it a sufficient amount of time right? Not making fun of anyone, but you've read it. Like now you got to go do it. Like, and so there's this, I don't know, 
hurdle that, you know, Kristen and I see in many believers' lives is like, just read, 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 study, 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 memorize, 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 conferences, all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And there comes a point where you just got to, you learn by doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and and you, (laughs) and not even learn by doing, you learn by failing, right? And failing miserably. (laughs) Yeah. Like we say in Novo, you know, we just do a lot of experiments. Let's just keep experimenting, you know? Yes. And then if it doesn't work, we won't do that again. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So your story is definitely, I I hope, a motivator for people that are listening. Like, you've read enough. Yeah. Like, you you know it. Absolutely. I know this is kind of, yeah, sorry. No, that's good. Because I would say, I mean, I think I had to gain the confidence, like we were talking about, the worthy thing, confidence, all that, a little bit first. But I jumped in pretty quick and I made some, you know, I made a a mistake like Andrew's, maybe not perfect, but God showed up, you know? So I think it's just like we always say, you know, you're going to see God show up if you pray more. You're going to see God do things if you actually step in and and do it, you know? I mean, because he's told us to, you know, in the Great Commission, he's telling us to go make disciples. To We got to, like, do stuff with our faith. You're right. Yeah. And so if we don't, what? I don't know. That's just, that's just. Well, this is maybe a tangent, but my mind yeah. thinks of, I don't know why I was thinking about this the other day, but how I think many, many believers that I know, like, you know, daily basis, whatever, we kind of equate being nice and polite with, well, you know, I'm witnessing because I'm nice. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. And how, when I really started to unpack like that part of the praxis of our faith, the faith without works is dead. That works part mm-hmm. is not meaning you're going to go be nice to your neighbors mm-hmm. and you're going to be polite to the checker at Vons. Right. Yeah. That works part is what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. It's, it's offering to pray for the sick. It's offering Mm -hmm. to pray for deliverance or some inner healing. It's doing something that is bringing the kingdom here on earth and being nice and polite isn't always part of it. Isn't (laughs) it? Yeah. I don't know. Well, and I guess I think, I think this is what you're saying, but it's like Jesus wasn't always, he was meek, but he wasn't like passive. He wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, that. So I think, yeah, for sure. We right, take yeah. risks as believers in that confidence mm-hmm. with the authority that he's given us. We can step into those risky places. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah. So I read on a blog post that you did mm-hmm. about a story that you had about being prayed for yeah. um, by a significant spiritual leader in your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were at the time struggling with kind of feeling like you were losing your voice. I don't know if that was metaphorical or, or physical. My apologies. I don't recall the story yeah. that well. But I think it really it's a wonderful story of your journey from. I'm not just like one of the people that's going to pray for healing. Like I'm commission yeah, kind of thing. I am woman. Hear me roar. You know, it's like, you know, that's a bad I way to put I it, didn't right? say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not in the show notes, Jill. But no. you know what I mean? Like, like it's not in my notes either. Yeah. Like you, you just the journey that you came yeah. to. So maybe you could share a little bit about that with us. Yeah. So there was a couple times actually where I literally lost my voice. So years ago, I can't remember what year it was. So I don't need to go into that story, but it was evident that the enemy was trying to take my voice as a leader. And then fast forward to about, let's see, seven years ago or so, I was struggling with some vocal stuff. And it was really interesting because when we joined Novo, one of the prophetic words that someone had prayed over me was that I was going to have a new voice and a big voice, strong voice, all that kind of stuff. So then I lose my voice pretty much whenever I would speak or whenever I was praying or it was weird. So I sought a healing prayer all the time. You know, anytime I could get prayer, I'd get it. And but I wasn't finding any any relief. There was some physical things too. So I was working on that. But 
So I happen to be, this happened a couple times with two of the leaders over me, but there was one point where I was with our, the head of Novo and I was talking with him and I said, Hey, you know, I'm struggling with this thing. I would love it if you wouldn't mind praying for me. And he said, yeah, let's get a bunch of people. So we were in, in the setting where we, they gathered, you know, a handful of people to pray for me. And I wasn't healed that day, but something significant happened that I felt like the Lord spoke to me about the authority that he had over me in my life. So it wasn't like this authoritative, not like that kind of thing, but that he was a covering over me. And in the denomination that I was a part of before I joined Novo, there was quite a limitation on women. And I felt that. So even though, you know, Bill was my senior pastor, he let me do a lot of stuff in our own church, you know, so I got to, I got to do a lot of ministry, but overall in the denomination over women, there was a ceiling, you know, like they call it glass ceiling. So I felt that for sure. There was only so far you could go. And so now, not just so far that you could only go so far in position, but I mean in authority, like in the spiritual authority way. So anyway, so I get prayer this one day and there was a phrase that he spoke over me and he said, I just release you to soar. And at that moment, it was like something happened and that glass ceiling broke. And it wasn't like, again, I was telling you, there's, you know, this journey of authoritative prayer. Like I, I prayed and saw God move and do things. So it wasn't like, it wasn't that now it is, it wasn't like that, but there was something that was over me that felt like a suppression of some kind that felt like it was kind of, you know, not from God and it was gone. And so now there were times I still struggle with my voice physically, but not my spiritual voice. And so, yeah, I talked to him about that afterwards because our leaders in Novo, I really respect, they aren't throwing their weight around. It's not like that. They have no idea even the kind of authority that they carry, I think, sometimes. And so it wasn't about him. Or it's not about them. It's more about how God wants us to be free. and. To be honest, he wants women to be free, to lead and do all that he's called us to do when the church sometimes has tried to to squelch that a little bit. So that's a little bit of my story. That's probably another podcast for another time, too. It's got about four or five episodes going. <laughs> I know, so that's another topic. Yeah. I'm going to write it all down. Right. I have a, I have a might, running list going. You might want to have somebody else talk on that one, though. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> But I think uh, you bring up a really good point because, you know, when we originally started talking about spiritual authority, we talked about the limiting beliefs that we have, right? Mm -hmm. But I think in your story, you're talking about another dynamic, which I don't think it's a lot of play in the church, yeah. but it's the limitations that have been placed upon you. Right. Right. Whether that's from a denominational, I mean, we come from a denominational where they major in throwing their weight around. Oh, yeah. Right. So, so we understand that, but like the spiritual. Yeah. Dynamics. Yep. Yeah. The spiritual dynamics, you know, Kristen shares a story about where she felt like she had a backpack buddy on, you know, like this kind of demonic influence. And I, I think sometimes people don't really yeah. take that kind of dynamic seriously. Yeah. Well, and I think you're not aware of it a lot of times. Like we don't really know. I referred to it, but since you brought it up, I'll share with you. There was another time where another leader that was over me in Novo, I said, you know, I just feel like something's still holding me back. Like, I don't know what it is. So he prayed for me and his wife got a vision of somebody like a man mumbling, hmm. grumbling at me. And I came right back to a memory of Bill and I were preaching actually on this topic of men and women and leadership. And it was my turn to speak. So we were both speaking together. He was done. I got up on stage and some pastors that were there walked out because of oh, a woman getting yeah. up on stage, you know? And so he broke that curse over me 
And there was another sense of freedom that came from that. So I had no idea that that was going on. A friend of mine told yeah. me later on, she goes, oh, yeah, these guys walked out. So anyway, so yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm just, you know, reiterating what you're saying that there's stuff that's over us that sometimes we know and sometimes we have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when we think about it, you know, the authority that we're talking about is kind of a spiritual authority, right? And you can't really see it, so no. so to speak, right? Because it's not no. positional. No. Right? So then doesn't it also make sense that some of the things that would be hindering us from this authority would also be things that are unseen? Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So it's definitely, I think, our story, Kristen, it's definitely your story on some of the things that you've experience. Did you have anything to share on this? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if you want me. I'm making notes about how to do a women in ministry podcast. Oh, there we go. That'll be maybe season three. (laughs) Why women can be kingdom agents as well. There we go. Why women can disciple people who aren't their children. Okay. Um, Okay. So (laughs) anyway, (laughs) I just wrote the timestamp down for the editing process here. (laughs) Yeah, you can cut that out. You can cut that out. Um, that's my soapbox. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I've had that experience as well, where I had my experience was with fear, and I would just get kind of irrationally afraid mm. at different times, where it was just one of those things where it made zero sense for me to be afraid. You know, you're a grown woman, you're married. I had, I think I had, we had at least one baby. And I would be afraid to like go down the stairs to the laundry room by myself. Sure, sure. Yeah. I would ha- like turn on all the lights and then I would push the door open really quick because, you know, there might be someone behind me. I mean, but yep. which sounds completely ridiculous no. and we laugh about it. No. But in kind of a, a day-to-day existence, really hindered a ton. Like I, but at the that- time I was... Yeah, I was doing worship for church and I would sometimes have to get there before other people. And it freaked me out to go into his church building by myself. I couldn't mm-hmm. do it. And it just really cut into just normal life. Yeah. And it was, I had that thought as well, like, you know, this just doesn't, this is not, this is not right. I don't know what it is. It's not me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know what name to give it. And I don't know how to stop it because I would be like, right. you know, I'd be quoting all the scriptures, perfect love casts out fear. Right. And I'm not right. going to be afraid because the Lord is with me and nothing changed mm. until I sat down with a leader who really walked me through mm. that kind of inner healing, or we could call it deliverance, yeah. Yeah. but where you, you have the authority to tell that fear, you have no place here. There you go. Yeah. Right. Good. But you couldn't see it. It made no sense. And I kind of lived with it for just a really long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until that day. And then I walked out of that prayer time and I didn't really feel any different right. until like later that week I had to do laundry and it was night. And I went down the stairs Yeah, and I just went down the stairs and I did the laundry. Like it's no no big deal. Right. So that's when I kind of realized, oh my gosh, like that thing is Mm -hmm. gone because this mentor of mine helped me take authority over that in my life that you don't have permission to be here. Which I think is, so I think a a point to what we're sharing, I, I think is that we do have authority. We can learn all that. We're learning all the things that Jesus says about us and gives to us and all that. But there's also an element of community stepping in to help us mm. with that. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm not saying I wouldn't be where I am without, you know, those guys praying for me. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. I would be in a different way or a different setting or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or you, same thing. Mm-hmm. The Lord wants us free. He wants us to move and work, you know, do what he's called us to do. So he's going to find a way for us to get it. I just really mm-hmm. believe that. But that's the beauty of community, right? And, yeah. And people in our lives that can either help us with that or whether, like, I don't, I don't even think, oh, well, I know when they, those guys prayed for me, they didn't know that that's what was happening. They're just mm-hmm. listening to God and mm-hmm. they just pray and. And then, but then there's breakthrough, which is so cool. 
Yeah. And kind of like people are God's plan A. Yeah. Right. He really loves, like, he might fall down from the sky in your prayer closet when you're all by yourself. That might happen. That'd be cool. That would be very cool. (laughs) (laughs) But mostly when I have experienced him work in a big way, it's because someone else was there as well. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We got to overcome the hurdle of the prayer closet, I think, right? Like it's both helpful and harmful. And I can see how the enemy would want us to stay in our prayer closets, right? Mm. And just kind of trying to get out. and and yeah. Yeah. You know, like prayer, like I, you know, I have to be honest in my own thinking, I don't think of prayer as communal. You know, I think of it as individualistic. So praying together, learning, you know, right to pray together is definitely something in my own life that I've been growing in praying with Kristen and then, yeah. you know, praying with other people in the church and, mm-hmm. and or in our community, I shouldn't say, yeah. church, but, you know, in our community, our, mm-hmm. our kingdom outpost is pioneering initiatives. Yeah. It. So I think that's a big thing. So uh, when, as, you know what, yeah. I'm just going to mention, cause you said that I was reading this book and this guy was, he's a spiritual director and spiritual formation guru kind of thing. And he was talking about how when he started his journey with this kind of prayer, that in his community, they would gather, I guess once a week, I think it was, they'd sit in the living room together because they all wanted to grow in this silence and solitude and all that. They'd all sit in community together and they wouldn't say one thing. (laughs) <laughs> like there there weren't out loud prayers. It was just this, we're just going to sit and be in the presence of God and the presence of one another. And he said it was transforming for them. It was really cool. And I'm like, dude, that'd be so weird. <laughs> but it'd be so fun. You know, I mean, why yeah. not try that? Why not do that? Just come to our house when Kristen and I fight. You'll know exactly. <laughs> no, I have a feeling you're Sit, sit in the room with silence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Our house is not quiet. Yeah, well, yeah. All right. yeah, it's many true. things, but quiet is not <laughs> one of them. Uh, well, Jill, as we kind of bring things home, you have been a leader in the kingdom for a number of years. And from your vantage point, being both in the local church and and kind of maybe, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but out of the local church, but, you know, in, in kind of both ways. Where do you see the church kind of falling short in its teaching and practice in terms of prayer, spiritual authority? And this isn't a, you know, let's throw the church under the bus kind of thing. Right. It's just, you know, as a something of a prophetic voice, right? What are your so, thoughts? So for sure, I would say I love the church, like in all its forms. I just do. I love the church. So yeah, I'm definitely not throwing it under the bus, but I think yeah, like you were saying, we've been around a little bit. And I think one thing I was, I'm really surprised at is that a lot of people that when I start coaching or I'm working with leaders, and I mean, I do start with, depending on what the what we're doing, but I often start with identity, you know? And so we talk about our identity in Christ. We talk about the authority. We talk about all these things we've talked about. And I'm really surprised that they don't know very much about spiritual formation. They have not been taught it. And I'm, again, I'm just blanket, you know, this is a big comment, but most of the leaders I talk to and Bill and I both were like, they haven't read these books. They don't know anything about silence and they don't know, you know, and so no harm, no foul, let's do it. And so that's what we do. We start reading th- together or, you know, working on some of this kind of stuff. So I would say that it's really sad to me that, like I said, the furnace of transformation is not available for most believers because they don't know anything about it. They're, it's, they're just ignorant. It's not their fault. Like I, there's so many times I'll, I'll start walking with somebody and we work with tons of young adults, you know, emerging leaders. So I get that a lot of those guys didn't grow up in the church or whatever, but even some that did, they're like, I had no idea. Like I, So conversely, I would even say, then they also don't know much about the power of the Spirit. So on either ends, I, you know, it's like you don't know how to sit still and be quiet and, and allow the Lord to speak and all that kind of, you know, 
sitting in his presence. But then like you were talking about, Dan, it's like, but then we don't do anything with it. We don't access the spirit because we don't even know about that either. Like we don't even know what's available to us. So, you know, that's been Bill's and my, I mean, there's a lot of different things that we feel like God's told us to do, but that's been one of them is to educate that you can actually have both educate the church, you know, educate believers that you can have and we should have access to an encounter with God in stillness and quiet. But we also can utilize the very power of, of God to step in and make and do something with it, like you were saying. So unfortunately, those two areas is where I say I, I sense and have seen the, the church lacking. You know, it's either like, like Bill always talks about, either are like a spirit church or a word church. Well, why can't we have both? Yeah. You know, why can't we have all of that? And so that's what makes me sad. Okay. Some resources, some things over the mm-hmm. years that have been super helpful for you that you feel might be helpful for others who are listening. You have talked about Henry Now and Way of the Heart. Right. Um, Return yeah. of the Prodigal Son. Yeah. Pick one, right? Yeah. Any resources that you could share uh, that you think might be helpful? Yeah. I think another one that I really like, and I like the way she writes, is Ruth Haley Barton. You might have run across her. She's written a ton of books on leadership and spiritual formation. But I, as far as like, entering into the process of learning about this. She wrote a book called Sacred Rhythms that I would highly recommend. So when I when I'm, you know, exposing people to this topic, I have them read Way of the Heart and Sacred Rhythms just because she covers like a lot of the basics, but she also has a practice at the end of each chapter that's really helpful. So you're not just reading it for knowledge, but you're also checking it out. You're trying it. And she writes really easy to read. So I'd say though anything from her, but that one on that topic, I really love, I, the last few years I've enjoyed Ignatius. So it's kind of hard to read some of his writings, but Kevin O'Brien wrote a book called Ignatian Adventure that is really cool. Like I just love taking some of, because his approach is almost like a, it's an inward you know, kind of inner healing almost approach to spiritual formation. So he's taken his writings, but he takes them and kind of modernizes it and then makes it applicable. So I love doing that. When I get to have like a spiritual retreat day or something, I'll take that. Inner Compass is another really good book. I can't think of the author right now, but that's a great book. Similar, it's same Ignatius spirituality. And then what else? Oh, just I'll send you my little 90 statement thing and you can, if that's a way to give resources to somebody, I don't know if you can do that, but it's just a, like a brochure kind of thing that we've made up. But so if you don't, if you can't do that, just finding scripture that states and explains our identity in Christ, do word studies, you know, do some kind of studying and then allowing it to wash over our minds and hearts and land you know, in us, that we can actually not just believe that I am a saint, I am forgiven, I am all those things, but just like, oh, yeah, so, and I can offer that to somebody else, or I can step into that. So I think those are the first, oh, and then, you know, Charles Craft's book on I Give You Authority is a great book on that. There's probably a bunch of other ones, but as far as that goes, I think that's my most recent one that I've read, but. Cool. Jill, if someone wanted to get in contact with you, how would they go about doing that? Yeah. Come to Boise. <laughs> Not right now. Cause it's oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really cold here. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, my email is jill.randall at novo.org N O V O.org. Yeah. So any questions or comments or, you know, ways to chat, I have a blog, but it's pretty wimpy right now. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> Through COVID, I haven't been as inspired as I would have liked to have been. I was kind of in a season of learning and listening to those the things around me and listening to God instead of kind of output. So I'm working on that, but 
I'll refer that to you later. Well, that's all right. Okay. I've read it. I think it's. Okay. I think it's. I think it's pretty substantial. Okay. <laughs> but, I think it's worth reading. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you got some good articles on there. For, for sure. sure. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much, Jill, for taking the time for joining us. It's been such a pleasure to have you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Well, with that being said, thank you for joining us for this episode of Only on a Sunday. Next time, we will continue our conversation with Tom Ashbrook on the interplay between abiding prayer and the church worship service. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast and feel to check out what we're doing on the LowrysOnMission.org or on Facebook at the Lowry's on Mission. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.